0: Welcome back to The Squat for episode 26 of Beyond the ANC, the podcast that would like to thank Keane for bringing the 80s back, but would rather they'd not brought the social and economic turmoil along for the ride. Excellent satire there, Andrew. Cheers, but don't thank me because you wrote that bit. Yeah, good point. Anyway, it's great to be back in the relative warmth of Chris's bedroom after our recent outdoor shows. Coming up on today's well insulated show, we'll be scything through the crowd to bring you a full review of the band's appearance at my birthday party on Thursday. With the European tour just 48 hours away, we'll be throwing together some wild speculation about what you can expect to hear. There's a spot of news about the touring plans for 2009, and then I'm going to go batshit crazy about 2009 festivals in the UK. And then, it's going to be the return of a controversial feature by sheer weight of public demand. Hugely exciting. Yep. So, time for us to take you for another thrilling voyage. Would you prefer voyage? Voyage? No, (laughs) voyage. (laughs) Voyage. Let's go beyond the inc is that a tick beyond the I-N-C. let's tackle the news first and the lovers are losing single is out now featuring a new song called time to go we'll spare you the full analysis but it's a little sketch of a song really yep, chris and i will have a go at remixing it and we'll get back to you Speaking of remixes, CSS have put out their own carnival themed remix of The Lovers Are Losing, and you can download that for free from the excellent Pop Justice. Lots of fun to be had there. The band played a three song set for a cracking edition of BBC's later programme this week, alongside Jacob Dylan, The Cock and Bull Kid, and Block Party. That's on iPlayer now if you've not seen it. And you live in the UK. The big news of the week, though, was the BBC Electric Prom Show at Coco. It was a really, very enjoyable show, honestly. Um, Admittedly, I was full of the birthday spirits, and bourbon, since you asked. Mm -hmm. But it was a lot of fun, and certainly Is It Any Wonder was probably the best it's ever been. Mm. They were joined by two saxophone players, a string quartet, the rumoured musical saw player, and then finally a full choir for what was by a distance their most musically ambitious show to date. Putting on such a show together like that is pretty difficult And we're going to be honest, there were moments when it just didn't quite work Um, I think the principal thing that was wrong with it Was that there was an awful lot of screeching feedback from the strings Yeah, I think that was because the sound on the stage from the band was so loud And to pick up the violins and things You really needed the microphones to be up very loud Which meant that there was just general feedback coming from From the violins and string sections, which meant you couldn't hear it at all as well. They needed a bit more shielding around them, really. Yeah, there was a little barrier between uh, the string quartet and the uh, and the drums, but. It, it sort of went down to Richard's knee, really, which saw any sound from the cymbal was just going straight over it. it and just similarly, to be much taller, really. Yeah, and similarly, from all the amps on the stage, you know, the pianos and, and everything. So so they, they should have shielded off the uh, string quartet, in my opinion, a little bit better. That'd have been sort of like a big clear box or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, the feedback issues caused real problems with Atlantic and with somewhere in Lewino. Um, I mean, they weren't so bad that they derailed the whole set altogether, it just took a bit of the gloss off those songs. Yeah, I mean, there was a string quartet playing and we could see them, but we couldn't really hear them for the mm. most part. That problem shouldn't occur at the Union Chapel, though, if they appear with strings as they did last year. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's in a very residential area and it's got one of the strictest noise levels of any music venue in London. Mm-hmm. As a result, there won't be the same problems with the strings being either drowned out or feeding back over the PA. Tickets for that show are now sold out And that's bad news for Chris Because while I was able to grab one The system timed out just as his order was being put through So he's currently without a ticket Yeah, I really wouldn't mind going though So if uh, anyone has a spare ticket or two And they can help me out Drop the podcast a line at beyondtheinc at gmail.com I think it'd be much appreciated all round Especially as he is really good at guilt tripping me The European leg of the Perfect Symmetry Tour starts in Antwerp in just a few days' time. And while the band have been playing pretty small dates so far, to sort of 2,000 people or less, they're about to jump up to playing to 15,000. Yeah, it's probably going to be quite a big jump, isn't it, really? Because the shows so far have been very sort of small and just the band in a room, really, that hasn't... Apart from the extra musicians at Coco, you know... Really the, low profile. Yeah, no screens, no poles, no balloons. Yeah. You know, <laughs> balloons, nothing like that. No acoustic set, just, just the band doing a simple rock set. So it should be it should be interesting to see how they, you know, take the perfect symmetry tour into a new gear. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's been no real indications of of what to expect. There's not really been much from rehearsals on the site since the album came out. Hmm. Um, With there being no hints, it may be they're going to try and strip it back a little bit. Yeah, sort of a no-gimmick set on the first tour around Europe then, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, get rid of the runway. Mm -hmm. Um, Just try and get it back towards, you know, people playing on the stage rather than it being such a huge show if you sort of mean get it yeah get it back to being a bit more about the music and then try and develop it maybe i I don't know i don't know i mean i guess you're saying sort of more of a rock concert than a than a pop show yeah i mean it's personally speaking i'd love it if that was the case i I think um addressing the runway for one i think the runway tended to suck a little bit of the spirit out of the shows as as much as i thought the o2 gig was a a great spectacle i know you were at the dublin show just Mm. a couple of days before um but having that runway tends to suck the, the life out of a room, I think. Um, moving people away from front and centre of stage means that suddenly there's a big divide in the crowd. Um, if you're going to have a runway, have, have one sort of you know left and right of the stage so that you've still got that pool of people in the middle. Mm. Losing the acoustic set would be a real shame. I thought that was a, a great highlight of the uh, the big shows they've done before. Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see, really. Yeah, the word on the street, and then we can quite literally say it was the word on, <laughs> on street. the street. We yeah. were standing on the street um, from Tim at Coco. Was um, that there might not be new songs from Perfect Symmetry going to the set just right now because the band haven't really had a chance to work on them. So what we've heard is what they've rehearsed, really. I guess what they might do is um, you know refer to some old favourites that they've started working on. Although having said that, I mean they've got to redo those with Jesse being involved now. Um, mm. But of the new ones, I think the natural first one to come through might well be Black Burning Heart, which you probably will see going in in the, the first few dates. That'd be it's good. Yeah, a bit more straightforward, uh, a bit easier to play than some of the others. Plus, uh, if you're going to go and play to you know a French crowd or a French-speaking crowd, then having Black Burning Heart involved would probably be for the best. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, if you're going along to any of the European dates, why not review the show for us? And even better, if you can, if you can take a microphone and something to record on, uh, give us your own take live from the venue. That would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, so drop us a line at beyondtheinc at gmail.com if you're interested. Anyway, um, looking ahead beyond this tour, um, let's have a a think about next year. Okay, Um, future tours planned in 2009 include the previously announced UK tour... Just is going to take in some of the country's biggest indoor venues. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. Um, but we've heard from a, um, a photographer and political activist with links to the band um, that there are some far-flung tours coming up in the spring. After the recent decision not to go to the US to coincide with the release of the album, we want to make it clear that these are not confirmed dates or tours, which will absolutely, definitely go ahead. So just a word of warning there. Um... But going on what we know, um, the spring should see a return to South America, where we hear the band are as popular as ever. I can imagine. Anyway, uh, also planned is a first tour Down Under for almost five years now, which is going to include the band's first ever headline gigs in Australia and New Zealand. And as for North America, um, let's not talk about it, because people don't seem to like us talking about tours over there. Still a sore point for him, I think. Mm. Beyond the Well, that's what we've heard about overseas touring, but I want to look a little bit closer to home and think about next summer. And by home, we mean the UK. So first of all, let's put a big red speculation siren on here. Um, we're going to have to do this disclaimer every single time that I talk shit, which is going to be an awful <laughs> lot. lot actually, yeah. um, but just to make clear, the following comments and thoughts that we're going to express, then they're, they're going to be us thinking out loud. and they're, they're not based on anything that we've heard or whispers. They're not based on much. Um, we're not the band's booking agent. Chris is not in charge of any festival bills. I am not Emily Evis. Just thought we'd clear that up there. Anyway, we don't want any of this to be taken as gospel truth uh, and it definitely doesn't reflect anything that's coming from Cap Keen. Although, although if of <laughs> I mean, this does come true, we are going to be taking all the credit. So Obviously, naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems ridiculous that we have to go through that, but we really, we don't want to, you know, have people buying tickets for things or assuming that things are going to happen when um, they might not... The, this, is, this, is, you know, this is where there's blame, there's a claim. And yep. I don't want there to be any blames or claims as far as we're concerned. Anyway, all that said, we reckon 2009 is going to be a pretty big summer for the band in the UK. Well, yeah. Um, if you look back over the last few years, it's not all gone well when it comes to summer gigs. Um, Well-publicised problems that surrounded their only big festival show in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really high-profile cancellation of their only UK headliner in 2007. Um, had a summer off in 2008. Um, so basically, there's four years worth of lost time that they've got to make up for um, when it comes to the, the British outdoor season. Hmm. Oh, you've been pretty good at the whole festival speculation thing in previous years, um, back when you had your Keen.at column and on the boards. So what is in your crystal ball then, Andrew? That's very good. I see what you've done there with the yeah. whole crystal ball thing. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is basically licensed for me to think out loud. But um, given the current financial situation... Um, that whole crunchy thing. Um, I think this year is basically going to see bands wanting to play some of the reliable old names rather than, you know, some of the risky new festivals of recent years. Um, Keen in particular, they were burned by Flam. Um, but that's a bit of a Welsh pun for you there. Um, but th- that, was the, that was the festival that was cancelled in 2007 that they were meant to be headlining. So you, so you reckon it's going to be the bigger ones next year? Yeah, um, it's it just makes sense. You don't want to book the band in and organise around playing a festival that's not going to happen because they just don't sell enough tickets or they've got financial trouble. So, the reliable festivals are the ones that they're going to be playing at, I think. Okay. Well, if you look at the next UK tour, um, and I keep trying to impress on people just how enormous this tour is going to be yeah we still reckon it's going to be about a quarter of a million tickets going out for the dates if you add them all up which is which is an awful lot massive massive tour it's Mm. like much bigger than um razor we were looking at theirs and they're not doing very big comparison i mean this is this is the biggest tour in the uk Mm -hmm. by a british band in the first half of 2009 so a tour that big prior to all of the big festivals announcing their lineup says to me that they're going to be at the top of one of them one of the one of the big festival lineups Traditionally, the band have tended towards the softer edge of the uh, festival market, so I think we can probably rule out Download and those metal ones. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Um, But I'd say probably rule out Reading and Leeds as well. Um, They played there before. They played there Mm. in 2003. Of course. Or on the the third or fourth stage, depending on how you count. But um, the crowd there's just much younger than Keane's usual audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to be too harsh on the festival itself, but... I think a lot of people who attend Reading and Leeds habitually would say that they're, they're culturally and politically open-minded, but it never seems to stretch as far as the music. I mean, Jay-Z, when he cancelled oh God, that was ages ago, 2003? Um, when he cancelled, that was met with, you know, whoops of joy, and they were, you know, they were planning to bottle him, and mm. um, I think Keane would get a really rough ride if they played at Reading and Leeds. Yeah Keane have also played At the Isle of Wight Festival Quite recently As uh, support to the Rolling Stones In 2007 Do you think there's going to be A chance of a reappearance There then? Well It's, it, it's less likely I reckon um, I And mean, this is This is more sort of Politics and a hunch really Because I can remember Someone telling me a while back That when they played there um, Before the Stones That was sort of tied in With the gigs that were going on In London and Dublin The following month Right um, So yeah The the fact that it, it, tends to, it tends to be part of Something bigger And I don't think That's going to happen yeah, I guess the fact that it's a pain in the ass to get to, it's ridiculously expensive, and it effectively only has one and a half stages means that we should all hope that they don't play there again anytime soon. Well, fingers crossed on that. So if you'd rule them out of all of those then, uh where do you think they will play? Well and bearing in mind still that we're, you know, having open seasonal speculation, I'd say the most likely place that they'll play will be the V Festival, and that's uh Stafford and Chelmsford in August. Um it's the festival that most matches their their core audience. Um I guess if you ignore their, their crisis show in 2006, which um, wasn't a great moment, um, they've gone down well there mostly, I think. Plus, I think their UK tour has been promoted by the people behind the festival too. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's right. So, chances of that happening then? Oh, I definitely, I'd give that at least you know, 90% or so a chance. I'm pretty confident then. They're bullish. Um, I guess in that spirit, I'd also say that um, if you look at the big festivals elsewhere in the, the British Isles, Um, Tea in the Park in Scotland, that's probably going to happen. It's it's the biggest festival in Scotland, and again, they've always gone down well there. And then the same weekend, uh, you've got Oxygen in Ireland, again, uh, they've gone down well there too, so it would make sense for both of them to happen. Are they also 90%ers? No, maybe. I'll give that a, a, a solid 75% if we're on the rating scale now. Yeah, getting very technical and precise here. Yeah. Um, th- there is a, another festival, though, I think, that's been around for a few years. <laughs> yeah, fairly, a fairly big one. Um, I would never forget about my, my good friend and drinking partner, Glastonbury. Um, if there's one festival where the band have been more successful than any other anywhere it's probably there yeah you don't need to tell me the story about the sun coming out in 2004 again that's a good please, st- a, please a good please, story please, please, um, please. but uh, leaving that one aside they've played some great sets there um the headline the pilton party the the celebration of the festival that comes mm-hmm. sort of later in the summer um that was 2004 um i think they drew a crowd so big that to change the ticketing system um mm-hmm. that's a true story honestly um plus there's the twilight show in 2005 before new order and that was great um They've, they've got lots of history of playing at the festival. Oh, and we heard a few weeks ago as well that the band were there this year, Spectators. Tom mm. so missing out on Jay-Z, um, I gather. Um, this year they did actually make headlines, uh, even though they didn't actually play. Uh, when Richard Ashcroft dropped their name uh, in sort of a derogatory fashion um, during his headline set, um, I think it was something along the lines of how, um, you know, the Verve were a better choice of a headliner than someone like Keane. Um It was later pointed out by Emily Evis that he was talking nonsense and Keane were never in contention, but anyway. Yeah. I I guess there is a point to this waffle, though. Yes, there is. Um, I believe, I will speculate, that there is a really strong chance that Keane are going to be one of the three headliners at next year's Glastonbury Festival. Really? So so what makes you say that, then? Well, there's there's plenty of reasons behind this. Um, Firstly... Uh-huh. They haven't played in a while, and that that seems like a terrible reason, but if there's one thing that Glastonbury likes out of its headliner, it's that somebody who's not played at the festival in a fair a fair while. Um, secondly, the Evises like them and want them on the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure of that. Thirdly, um, there's a lot of more established names on the circuit that seem to think that they're above it now. Um, they're either planning their own shows next year, um, Oasis with their big show at Wembley, mm-hmm. um, and then Coldplay, who think about doing Nebworth. Yeah. Um, then there's, there's others who aren't touring. Um, REM, who are old friends of the Festival Muse, who've headlined before, who shouldn't be around then. Um, Radiohead have been linked, but, I mean, they're not touring either. So might they come and do a one-off show? I mean, who knows? Mm. Radiohead seems to play every year, though. But, I mean, I guess that rules out a few of the bands who have been rumoured. Yeah. Um, I think also they've, they've got the songs and the pedigree now to be considered uh, Glastonbury headliners. Some of their peers from 2004, that that sort of that class of great year of music. That was a great year. Um, they've headlined in the recent past, uh, The Killers headlined on, you know, an album and a new album coming out. Just uh, just a couple of records. The Kings of Leon have done it. Mm-hmm. I guess you'd also look at the uh, songs on the new album and say they're very Glastonbury friendly, really. Um, perfect symmetry. I can imagine a few thousand people singing that. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's It just seems like the right time i mean I, I don't want to get too carried away with this um but i mean if you offer me some odds on them topping the bill right now taking friday night headliner mm-hmm. um i i definitely have some money on that definitely um if you want to if you want to talk about percentages again let's do that um like 95 percent certain that they'll play unless for, like money or politics gets in the way they'll uh-huh. they'll be playing at the festival and what about headlining i say 63%. Again, very precise. <laughs> 63%. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I could see it happening. So I guess in summary of all that mindless speculation, what we, we're saying is uh, no to Leeds, Reading and the Isle of Wight, and yes to V in Glastonbury? Um, well, pretty much, yeah. I guess if, you, if you're going to boil all of that, that spouting down, then yeah, I'd say yes to V, tea in the park, oxygen, and top of the pyramid stage at Glastonbury, I'd say. Sounds good. Well Andrew, you do talk an awful lot of shit sometimes, but uh, let's hope you're on the money here. The After scores of complaints, questions have been asked in Parliament about it, and public pressure have been applied to us to bring it back, we have a surprise for you all Keen Beard Watch. Yes, thank you, Chris, and welcome to another edition of Beard Watch. Uh, the week's top story is that after weeks of speculation and innuendo regarding what has been alternately called a campus neck warmer and an Open University special, Richard Hughes has finally given in to demands to scale back his facial hair growth. With his stubble currently standing at somewhere around the 6-7mm to seven millimeter mark, Hughes told this programme, please leave me alone and stop looking at my lips. He had no comment to make about his brand of razor. And in other news, Jesse currently measures up as a whiskery, like coarse glass paper or the teeth of a tenon saw. Now moving over to Rice-Oxley, the Tim Chin can currently be described as presentable to a mother-in-law, but not quite smooth enough for a job interview. And finally, Tom is tough yet soft. And that was this week's Beard Watch. That is all from episode 26 of Beyond the INC. We've brought you a few good gropes in the dark today, so why not repay the favour and grope us back through the means of email? Fondle our inbox at beyondtheinc at gmail.com. We'll be back in midweek for our last episode for a while. Yep, because Andrew's heading off to a remote <laughs> island in the South Pacific. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> Apparently not. We'll be bringing you reports on the start of the European tour and giving our thoughts on perfect symmetry demos. So, until then, um, haven't you got something you want to say to me, mate? You're a dick. Try again. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, mate. Cheers, pal. Bye, everyone.